Hi, this is Angie, host of the Nature Nurtured podcast. I have found that when I head outdoors with something on my mind and talk it out to the great wide world, spirit listens and often offers some pretty great advice. I invite you to join me today. We can move our bodies, soak in the amazingness of mama nature, and maybe even experience a little healing. My hope is that you take this conversation, find your own truths, remember who you are, and take that next leap on your own healing journey. Hello everyone, this is Angie, host of the Nature Nurtured podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is another chakra episode, so this episode also is paired with a meditation episode for you to use um, as that feels good for you. So I just provide that as a resource to help bring some nourishment and healing to whichever chakra center we are talking about, and this month we are talking about the heart chakra. And so it's actually pretty good timing for this episode, as I know that many in my community are mourning the loss of a beautiful soul, our friend Jamie. And if you are a listener that is not a part of the community where I live, um, I just wanted to mention this. I wanted to mention her. She battled cancer, a rare form of cancer, for eight years. Most of those eight years, the community was fairly unaware that she was sick. She went about her daily life, work, work with kids at the school, and her laugh and her smile would have never indicated that she was going through the challenges that she was going through. So a very strong, very beautiful soul. So I did want to dedicate this episode to Jamie. And I also want to note that I think knowing Jamie, she does not want to be remembered as... She does not want to be remembered through this lens of having this cancer. Even though it was a part of her last eight years, that did not define her. And so I think honoring her in this way, um, she was a woman with a great heart. And so I think it's only appropriate that this is the episode um, that I dedicate to her. So kind of in tandem with that, I want to start off this episode and I, and I always kind of, like I've said before, I, I re-listen and then I make these intros after that. And so I kind of know what I wish I would have hit more on and if I need to further explain things. And after re-listening to this particular episode, I realized I didn't really hit on the importance as much as I wanted to. And some of the things I think I needed to highlight a little bit differently. So And I will try to keep this short because it's already a long episode. So I'm going to try not to make this intro its own episode. Um, But I did want to start out with saying that grief is a big part of this heart space. And allowing for grief to unfold as it needs to is so important. And I think even sometimes acknowledging that the grief is not going to ever leave us. When we lose certain people, that grief stays. And that that is okay. 
And that's just part of being human. And it's, and I don't think we talk about that part of it enough. And, and I feel like, um, this has really come to my attention more, the more I know people who have lost people. So this is kind of what I've gathered from others because I have not lost close family members. I mean, the closest person I've lost, excuse the dog barking. He is, thinks he has found something underneath, um, a pile of brush and he's probably going to bark while I talk. But anyway, um, I'll try to kind of move away from him. So I've learned this from other people. This is not necessarily from personal experience, but what I do want to say is that this grief, I think it's something sometimes that we need to make space for in our bodies. And I think we need to understand that grieving is not linear. I mean, you hear people talk about the stages of grief, but what they don't tell you always, and I think we're getting better about talking about this now because I'm aware of it and I have not gone through the processes like some people have. So it's not these stages that we all will experience in grief aren't linear. And it doesn't mean that once you move through them, that you're done, check it off the list. And that's it. I think what we need to understand is you can skip stages, come back and pick them up, hit stages more than once. It it can be this back and forth ebb and flow cycle of movement through the grief process, through the stages of grief and that that's okay. I think it's important to know this so that we don't get discouraged with ourselves or down on ourselves or feel like we're never going to be able to move into the, a different space just because we maybe do what we feel like is relapsing into a place that we feel like we've already brought healing to. I think that's a misunderstanding of grief. And I think giving ourselves permission to ebb and flow with it, to feel it when it comes up and know that it's going to pop into our lives randomly and that that's okay. And it's going to take our breath away sometimes. And that doesn't mean that we're not doing it right. So I did want to talk about that. And I also wanted to talk about how, and I think that I have heard people say this more and more recently, but I wanted to hit on it here as well that we, if we can just allow ourselves to be okay with not being okay, if we can just let ourselves feel the anger and feel the frustration with the hands that were dealt sometimes and to not deny those feelings and to not toxic positivity our way out of those feelings and understand that, you know what, challenging feelings are real and they are valid and what happens is if we don't feel them, that's when they get stuck. And that's when we can't move out of them. And that's when we get stuck in victim mentality. So I think I talk about later how sometimes we feel like, why me? Or when I feel like this is never going to get better. This is never going to, this is never going to get better. And we feel like we get stuck in that space. And it's okay to feel that way sometimes. If you are newly presented with something or you feel like you keep getting hit with things over and over again, it is valid to feel anger and frustration about that. It is that those are valid feelings to have. 
and you want to feel those and you want to acknowledge that that's how you feel because it's when we hold that back and we don't let ourselves be upset about that that they can that these things get stuck within us and then we can't move through that so and that's when we when we stay stuck in in these places for a long time that's when i feel like the universe is like oh you like that feeling okay here i'll keep giving you more of that so i'm not talking about when things are hard and you're trying to process them and it's new and you feel like you just keep keep getting hit with wave after wave of things i'm talking about when you don't allow yourself to move through those feelings and they get stuck. That's when we, we do seem to be in alignment with it and we get more. So I think just simply acknowledging that life is shitty sometimes and letting it kind of be what it is and understanding that I'm not okay right now and that's just going to have to be okay I think when we can give ourselves that grace, that things will, they will move. And then we won't get caught up in that victim mentality energy that then does seem to attract more of that. So, like I said, there's just, there's a difference between allowing ourselves to feel and be in those feelings and to work through them and to be subscribing to the idea that we did something wrong or that we're being punished, or that we're destined to always suffer. Because I don't, I don't subscribe to that. I don't think that when things that are challenging happen to us, it's not because we've done something wrong. It's not because we deserve it. It's not because we're being punished for anything. We don't always know the reason why we're handed the challenges that we're handed. And it's easy for me to stand here and say, oh, well, there's a teachable moment in that. Because sometimes it doesn't feel like there is. And I know there are some things, challenges that are so big that it's, it would be, I don't know. I just, I just feel like from where I'm coming from right now, I, I don't feel like I have, I don't know if it's the authority or whatnot to say that in every challenge, there's a teachable lesson. I think I can look at my own things, my own challenges and say, oh yeah, I can see the lesson in that. I don't think we can look at other people's experiences and tell them that there's a lesson in that. I don't think that's anybody else's place. So I did want to mention that. Also, I just wanted to say that, and I think this is really important when talking about this heart chakra energy center. We really, really need our hearts to be open and aligned so that we can handle the challenging things that we surely will have handed to us throughout our lifetimes. I don't think anybody skates by unscathed. Even though we can look at other people's lives and think that nothing bad ever happens to them. We don't know. You don't know till you're living in that person's reality. So we all are going to be handed varying degrees of challenges. And if we can have our hearts be open and aligned, it sure is, makes 
moving through those things easier is not going to make them easy, but it will, it will make things flow a little bit more smoothly. So the more love and the more compassion we can bring to our heart space, the more likely we are going to be able to move through emotions and situations that are tough. So I like to think that the heart chakra work is kind of like a preventative medicine or practice at its best. It, it's easier this way. It's easier to do the work before there's a challenge in front of you. But sometimes the work has to intensify and be really, really intentional to get us through that hard stuff. So when we want to armor up and shut down, when we're given a challenge, because I, because I do think that, I know that's my response, it's really easy to use the tools and have the practices and be mindful of the things and, and, and do all of that when there's not a big challenge. But when that big challenge comes through and it pulls the rug out from under your feet, it's like we forget all the tools that we have been using all this time. So I think it takes us a second to like kind of reorient ourselves and pick up those tools again and put them back in our toolbox because we threw them up in the air and they all spilled out everywhere when the thing happened to us. But then, and we want to shut down and we want to have that pity party and be pissed off at the world. And that's okay. Have that for a minute. Allow that. But then I think if we can soften again and be open again, that that's where we can allow things to move and heal more smoothly and quickly. So watch for those times when, when the big things come in, those challenges come in and you want to close down and armor up and push people away. Really take a moment. And if you have to do that, that's fine, but really try to get back in that place where you can soften and open. Because you don't want to get all that stuff, that, that energy, that challenging stuff stuck in you. Because then it's really hard to come up out of that if you let that stay there for too long. And I'll also mention that in this episode, I do mention something that, might, that some of you might find triggering. And that is this idea that nothing is good or bad. And everything is simply an experience and that humans attach the labels and the judgments, not the pure soul energy that is our true selves. And that might not sit with you well, and that's okay. If that doesn't feel in alignment with you right now, just leave it. Don't worry about that. Don't feel like you have to agree with me on that. If everything in you is screaming that that's not right, I understand like you that's okay just leave that and that also makes because and I get it because then and I also think that there's this other part that I I have found myself wonder wondering about and so I I feel like it may be also on your radar to wonder about and it is this why so if we are able to move through these things and do the work here 
and if if nothing is bad and then why do we have these this trauma why do things seem to stick with us and make these marks on us that we can't shake and sometimes we take from lifetime to lifetime if that's something that you believe in like why is that a thing why when we cross over to the other side are we not kind of repaired and rejuvenated and rehabilitated and my answer to that and this is my opinion and only my opinion here is that we do go through that process on the other side especially if there's been horrific things that have happened to us I do think we kind of are swaddled and incubated and wrapped in love and I think that's very therapeutic for our souls to go through that because if we are very traumatized we can't even begin to examine the lessons of that lifetime yet So I do think there is a period of kind of this rehabilitation and therapy and just nurturing, loving that happens. And I think that we are able to move through it and our our soul is, is very resilient and we're able to be okay. But I think this is, this is what I do think happens is we are dropped back down into a different human suit and it's like, we remember Because with this human suit comes free will and a range of emotions. And so that's different than being on the other side where we don't have a body. I think when we, we have to, when we are embodied, we feel things and things that maybe we, it, we had worked through on the soul level for some reason, when we get into this human suit, they're re-triggered as we move through life. It's like those old things come back as we move through this lifetime and there are remembrances. Because I do think we carry the memory of every lifetime, every, every memory that we've ever had is within our soul. It's stored in our soul. And so I do think as we move through each lifetime, sometimes those memories trigger the trauma to come back up in this human body. So that's my two cents worth on that anyway. So... With all that being said, um, I do encourage you to practice approaching life with openness and tenderness towards others and yourself. And this is something that is really a new practice for me. And so when I'm saying this to you, I'm also saying this as a reminder to myself. Um, You know, we need to take particular care of this energy space because this energy center, in my belief, is it houses our soul. And it's also the bridge from our earthly or to our earthly and spiritual energies. So the lower chakras are more of our earthly energies and the upper are more of our spiritual energies. And if that heart space is blocked or stagnant, there's not a lot of movement between the two. And and to be healthy and balanced, that bridge needs to be open. There needs to be able to have this, this, if you want to look at it as like an actual bridge, the traffic needs to flow through. All the lanes of traffic need to be open and flowing across, back and forth across that bridge without having to wait, without being blocked, without having the road construction signs or the pilot cars or the, all of that stuff. You know how annoying that is, especially people who live in my community. We are dealing with road construction right now. We have dealt with bridges that are out. Um, it's annoying. It's frustrating. It's, it takes longer. It's just, it's a super big inconvenience. So when you think of this heart center, think about 
it needs to be open so that that energy can pass throughout your body with ease so that things don't get piled up and backed up and have to look for detours and then everything kind of gets to be a mess. We want things to, we want our energy to flow smoothly and not be bottled up. So please, please, please take advantage of the meditation episode that is paired with this one. It's not quite 10 minutes and I, it just is a really nice piece that will bring some nurturing to that heart space and also please please share this podcast with friends or family Um, the episodes don't have to be listened to in order they can pick and choose what they want to listen to they don't have to listen to all of them maybe I mean just if you know certain ones that you think that they would like point those out or you can even just tell them hey read through the titles see what sounds like something that you think would be helpful Um, And I know it's kind of scary to like recommend things that are a little bit different like this podcast is. I mean, I talk about some things that a lot of people don't talk about on here. And so I understand that, I mean, I used to not be in a comfortable place to talk about anything a little woo with anybody. And then it's funny though, you would be surprised. People who you would never suspect to be open to this kind of thing, they, you can't judge. I mean you never know. I have been completely surprised by people that I have met along this journey who have been open to the same things that I am, to the things that we talk about on this podcast. I have been blown away time and time again. So I have learned not to make any assumptions and just, you know what, if you share it and they're like, eh, not really my thing. Cool. That's fine. I mean, I don't ever recommend being pushy and being like, you have to listen to this. Like just it can be an invitation. That's how I kind of have been approaching things in life. It's just, let's throw it out there. It can be an invitation. You know what? If they think that you're a little weird for being into that stuff, Hey, they know who you are. You know, you don't have to hide that part of you anymore with them. So I don't know if they're really, you know, people that you, that love and care about you, they're, they're not going to think anything bad about you for, you know, being a little bit into more of the woo stuff. So Um, and that's coming from somebody who used to be very closet about the woo. So that's kind of my spiel on that. And also I did want to thank those of you who have followed this podcast, who have given the five-star ratings, who have taken the time to write reviews. It really means a lot. And I also want to thank those who reach out, um, through text or messaging on social media, um, or in person and have let me know kind of, um, what they thought about certain episodes or their two cents about things. I I love it. I I just, I really love to continue the conversation. So thank you to those people who have taken the time to do those things. I, I really, really do appreciate it. So with all of that, I think we can probably just go ahead and jump on in. Today I am going to be bringing you information about the heart chakra and prior to this we have covered the root, sacral, and solar plexus chakra so if you have not listened to those episodes they are here. Usually it is the first episode of the month that's when I kind of do these and they are always partnered with a meditation 
So, and that meditation is really just meant to kind of bring some healing to that energy center, especially after you've kind of gotten to know a little bit more about it. That just gives some nourishment and support in a very simple way. Uh, It's just something that you can easily do. They're usually right around 10 minutes, sometimes less, sometimes a little bit over, just kind of depends. So I do try to keep them relatively short though. And yeah, so those are just kind of a nice resource for you. So if you have not um, listened to those other episodes and participated in those meditations, I do encourage you to do that. Um, Of course, if you feel called to do so. So yeah, we're talking about the heart chakra today and it is kind of seen as the bridge chakra. Um, up until this point, we've been really working in the, the energy centers that are the very earthly ones, how we deal with our physical world. And so after this, we will get more into the, the spiritual. So, I mean, and it all ties together, but that's just kind of what I've always heard is that the heart is kind of the bridge between the two. So we will get right on into this today then. So our heart chakra is really about how we feel love, unity, peace, and balance within our bodies. And it has a lot to do with our ability to give and receive love, our ability to accept others, and our ability to really I don't know if strive is the right word, but like accept or surrender to peace. And we'll get into those in a little bit more detail here in a little bit. But the heart chakra is located in your chest, in your heart space. Um, It is also very much linked to your lungs as well. So how we breathe... um, And we'll get into that a little bit more, but if we can learn, kind of retrain ourselves to take deeper breaths and really clear our lungs, um, that can really help this center get some energy moving. And yeah, there, there's definitely a connection there for sure between the lungs and the heart. It's all in that same region. So, and also our arms as well, the the meridians that they talk about in Chinese medicine that run down the arms, they are connected to that heart space as well. So kind of hitting back on the lungs again. So if you think about when we are grieving or sometimes when we just really feel a lot of emotion in our bodies, whether it's Sometimes it's happiness. Um, it doesn't always have to be that feeling of grief that, that brings on crying. But when we do cry, that's a release in, the, in that heart center. And especially with, with, when we are crying from grief, it is uh, really our clearing our lungs when we cry and we do that sobbing that really clears that stagnant grief, that heaviness from our lungs. And that's why we have that sobbing motion that happens. It's, it's designed to help us release that grief. And so 
we want to definitely let ourselves do that when we when we feel feel the need to cry even if it is for happy even if we're just like overcome with happiness and just or we're really emotionally touched in some way letting it come out is just allowing that emotion to move around and move through that center kind of this in and out ebb and flow motion and when we when we try to hold it back because i know i'm guilty of this i know sometimes it just doesn't feel appropriate to cry or or people you know we're just taught from the time we're little to to not show a lot of emotion in public if we can help it i mean of course there are some situations where it's okay and it depends on kind of who we're around and where we are but a lot of times you know it's just we we understand that there are situations where when we show emotion when we cry then that makes other people uncomfortable so and we've learned that from a young age and so we stuff it down and and we don't always get to have that release because sometimes you know you might think well I can't cry about that right now I'll deal with it when I get home but then life is busy and maybe we just are too busy to ever let ourselves really sit and feel it. And so life just continues on and we continue to shove shove down those those emotions. So, I mean, that's still my knee-jerk reaction when I feel like even those happy emotions of like just like being proud like of my kids or just those moments that really just hit you that are just so beautiful. I still want to show, I want to, it's like, I feel it in my chest, but my, my reaction is, is to constrict that and not let it up and out. And so now I have, I have a hard time, even when everything in me is like, let it out, let it out, let it out. Like my brain is like, it's okay. It's okay to cry. Um, my body just still really has a hard time in like initiating that it's like it doesn't believe me that it is safe even though I've told it you know now for the last couple years that it is okay and safe to emote in that way it's just old habits die hard my body remembers that that's not that's we don't do that and so it's that muscle memory that reflex action is just to to hold it in and so I'm still doing work around that it and I think I've said this before it has gotten better but there is still room for improvement there. I think when I say it's gotten better, it's like I can feel it come up um, into my chest, maybe almost up into my throat, but it and well up in my eyes, but it doesn't want to just gonna go ahead and spill over. So I've made some progress in this upward motion. However, it's still man, it just takes, I really have to sit in it and like, it's almost like I have to give it my attention to let it up and out sometimes. Now, if it's something like when we were moving our oldest to to college, you know, the night before that happened, yeah, there was no having to let it happen. It was definitely up and out, not a problem. So it just kind of depends on the degree to which I'm feeling something as well. So Um, but anyway, yes, that crying breath pattern, that sobbing releases the grief that we're storing in our body and that, in that heart center, because that is, you know, our heart does feel that grief and our lungs are so closely connected that they get some of that stagnant energy stored into them as well.
So, and also when I mentioned about the arms having the meridians that run down them, I mean that it really makes sense if we think about how do we comfort other people? We hug them. We want to put our arms, our hands on them, whether we're like touching their head or we're pulling them close to hug. And then even when we hug, it's like our hearts, our, our heart centers are like face to face there. It's this, and, and you know, the energy, I mean, you think about when you hug someone for whatever reason, um, there, there's energy exchange happening there. It's like you can hold on to somebody and, and have them in that embrace heart to heart. And there don't, there, there's really no need for words in those situations. I mean, you can feel what needs to be said. There's, there's not a need to exchange actual words a lot of times because the hearts are doing the talking, you know? And I think you, you all can probably think of situations where, where that is the case. And yeah, so that our arms can kind of be seen as these extensions of our hearts. I think that makes a lot of sense when we think about our natural reactions to comforting, to soothing others. We, we use our arms, we use our hands. And even with healing work, um, when I do Reiki, I mean that it comes down through the crown of my head into my heart and out through my hands. And so that really does make sense. And I think anybody that does, I mean, people who do massage work, people, doctors, nurses, I mean, moms, dads, anybody who is kind of in a caregiving role or in the health field, I mean, there's a lot of love that can come out of your hands and is, is very healing if, you know, if you are in that mindset and allowing it to happen. So especially with, with loved ones for sure, or people who maybe are working in hospice or maybe, um, with like the premature babies. I mean, people who are really needing a lot of like tenderness and gentleness and loving care. That's kind of a special care. I I think that it, people who work in those fields are naturally very inclined healers anyway, whether they think of themselves in that way or not. Um, so just, I, I can imagine that the love just comes from their hearts and out their hands as they are caring for those, those people in those tender moments. So anyway, so that, so let's go back. Um, one of the first things I talked about at the beginning was, was of course, love being a main component of that heart chakra. So the thing about love is, is that we as humans can be so, so resistant to this. And there's a lot of us who think that living without love, without opening to love is easier because you're, you're not at a risk for being hurt. And so I think or I guess hurt, failure, sharing too much, being too vulnerable. There's lots of reasons I think why, why humans shut out love. And I think a lot of times it's probably some kind of trauma, most likely something that happened in childhood, maybe even things that we don't even remember. Uh, so something 
happens or lots of little things happen over time and we learn that it hurts to love and be rejected or to love and be vulnerable and in some way, shape or form be hurt in that vulnerability. So we, we become resistant to it. And that's because rejection is one of the most basic human fears. It just is. And I think that goes back to when being a part of a group meant survival. So to be rejected would mean that your chances of surviving would go way down. Because to live on your own and not within a group was going to be way harder. And so I think it is definitely an innate fear within us for sure. And even though that's really not the case anymore, I think it's just so programmed into our human DNA, I guess, that it, it's still there. So, so some, and it can, this rejection or this blocking of love can, it can look all sorts of ways. So sometimes what happens is we act out, we do things that kind of create drama wherever we go in life to push others away. We know it's like our subconscious is like always trying to sabotage us, I guess, sabotage the relationships that we have. And I don't, and I really think when I say the subconscious, I mean, really, that's where I think this is happening. I don't think people necessarily intend to sabotage relationships with others to push love away. I think it's kind of that, just that knee-jerk reaction. And, and we just have these behaviors that we've learned over time that we know get us a lot of not-so-great attention. But it's very effective in holding people at arm's length. And that is safe. It's like, don't get too close. Oh, they're getting too close. I'm going to make some, I'm going to make some drama happen and they're not going to like it. And then I'm not going to have to worry about it. Then they're going to back up. So yeah, that happens. I think a lot. I mean, if you think about people, I mean, I think everybody knows people who, who they've seen act this way and you're like, why do they keep doing this? Well, there's probably trauma there. Something's happened that's created a block in the heart chakra and it's their defense mechanism. I mean, it really is when people buy into all of, you know, they, they act those, those ways that push people away is it's definitely, it's safer. It's safer to push people away by having these outrageous behaviors, these dramatic behaviors than for them just to not be liked when they're trying because that hurts a lot worse. When, you, when you're trying to be lovable and you get rejected, that hurts a lot worse than when you're not. When you're trying to be the opposite and you get kind of a backlash, get pushed away, then you're like, well, yep. And then you can have some ownership in that, you know. So it's definitely a way to self-protect. So another thing that people do is they will seek out other things to fill this void 
so that they don't have to let love in. So they look for things like wealth and power because that's safer. It's safer to put your to place your bets on those very tangible things that are predictable. You can work your way up the ladder. You can make the money. You can do the things to kind of become, you know, at the top of at the top of the mountain there. That's all in your control. It's something that people can control. It's something that's predictable. It's something that is only on them. And it's safe because if they fail along the way to get to the top, whether it's money or power or both, it, for some reason, I mean, I'm sure that that does hurt in some ways, but it's like, well, I'll just try again a different way. It's, it's safer than trying in love and failing and, and being vulnerable and pouring your heart out and getting shut down. So it's easier to fill that void with things and with feelings of I'm better than everybody else. Look at me. Look at all the things I have. Look at all the control I have. It's like kind of getting ahead of the game. It's like the wealth and the power kind of create this armor around the heart so that they don't have to feel anymore. It's like this substitute that sounds great. Like, oh yeah, you know, man, it must be nice to to have, you know, not have to worry about the money and not have to um, wonder what's, you know, be in really, really, really in control of, of life and kind of lord your power of, over other people. I can see where in our society, the way we operate in this world, in the very, you know, commercially driven society that we live in, of course, that um, sounds like it would be something that is safe and within our control and and it, it sounds like it would feel good. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely used as a substitute for sure in our culture today. And I think, you know, you look through human history and you'll see it again and again. So, it just feels safer. And then some people just blatantly push people away. They know it's just like, nope, like I don't... It's just they shut down anybody who reaches out to them and they know they're doing it. And it's like, no, I'm just going to be a hermit and be in my own little bubble and I don't need anybody else. And I'm going to live by myself and I'm going to work, you know, from home or I'm going to, you know, go to my job and come right home or whatever. And it just, again, that just feels safer to... Limit your world to just yourself and maybe a few other people, but you still kind of keep them at arm's length. It just, then you can control your feelings better because you're not invested or kind of connected to anybody else. So, I mean, there's all kinds of ways, like I said, that you can, you can push people away. And I think, you know, just thinking about my own self I don't know. I guess I would say that I've been aware when I push people away. I mean, there were a lot of years that, I mean, I would say I had a a lot of acquaintances and I mean, I guess I would call people that I was around friends, but I didn't really do anything with them. 
you know, like I chose to spend my free time just at home. Like it just, and I think it was for that reason. Like I just, you know, some of it's just, I think some people need more alone time than others to recharge. And that's absolutely how I am as well. But I think there was a part of me that's like, I don't want to put myself out there and go to this thing because to, to be vulnerable like that was scary. And so I did have a very small little social world and it felt safe. So I think, you know, that's how mine was kind of self-induced was in that way. So, so that's kind of how that looks when we, when we block this heart chakra. Um, and I think, I would say most people experience one of those things at some point in their life. Some of us notice it and correct it, or we have people that kind of help us kind of get back back on track or we get that healed fairly quickly. But I think there's a lot of people that are on this planet right now who have a lot of trauma to their heart space. And like I said, it happens when you're little and so often you don't remember it. Sometimes you do, but sometimes you just can't even put your finger on on why. And and I think people are walking around completely unaware of it. I mean, they, they would never say... Yeah, I'm traumatized. Like, they don't see it as trauma. It's just, it's become so ingrained and so much part of their um, behavioral patterns that they probably don't even notice anything's wrong with it. It's just the way they are. So, I mean, I think, I mean, looking at our world the way it is today, there's a lot of that. Because I think we've all heard the saying, hurt people hurt people. And I think when that heart space is hurt... It's, we, we do want to lash out at other people and I'll get into that more later, but, um, it, it is, it's just a very sensitive, easily bruised part. Sometimes it just is a very vulnerable space to have open. And a lot of times people's heart chakras are very overactive. They're very much, um, not so much blocked, but it's just like spilling out everywhere. And it's like, they, they have a hard time kind of, mm, I don't want to say reining it in, but you don't want those chakras to be overactive either because that can cause problems too. It just, you know, you want to have the balance. You want to have everything be aligned. And when your heart's really everywhere, it's hard to take care of yourself when it's, when your heart is so worried about trying to people please and, um, I guess that would be, and just all this concern for everyone else, but there's a lot of emotion that comes with that. And there's not a lot of mm, problem solving that would go with it. It's just a lot of feeling it and not knowing what to do with it because it feels so big. I guess maybe that's, it's like a storm when you would look more to have kind of that gentle rain. You don't want the drought, but it's like when our, when we're having an overactive heart chakra, I, I would assume it would be kind of compared to that storm. It's just all all emotion and no no solution for anything. So I think that's also common. And it's just funny and you know, you think about in a way that's kind of the 
narcissist empath relationship there. And boy, do they find each other. And that's another topic for another day. But yeah, so and so is this idea that we have these traumas happen to us when when we're young. I mean, I think I'll have a whole other episode probably within the next few weeks on the inner child because I think that's worth devoting an episode to because I think so many of us have these this inner child that that needs some healing that needs some attention and I know if you've never heard of that it sounds kind of funny but we'll get into that so we'll we'll dive deeper into this this trauma that happens to us when we're little and and I know I've mentioned this in other episodes when I say trauma it doesn't mean it has to be a big thing. It's just something that's happened that's left a mark somehow on on you and it's affected usually like your self-worth or your self-love. So something that's happened that just kind of caused this little hole or tear in your energy and, and wasn't able to to kind of repair itself. So um, they can be big things, little things, all the things in between and you know, no judgment, you know, comparing traumas, that gets to be kind of unsteady ground because um, when we try to talk ourselves out of the fact that we have trauma, then we're not going to be working on healing it. And I think we are very quick to say, oh, well, so-and-so had it way worse. There's no reason for me to complain or worry about anything. I've never had anything that bad happen to me. I don't know. I'm just going to suck it up. I just need to suck it up and move on and quit quit being all sad and emotional about it because all these other people have it so much worse. And when we do that, man, we really are missing an opportunity for some healing. So anyway, I will dive into those things, like I said, in future episodes. So... So, I mean, thinking about this, so how can we kind of be aware of these issues and kind of work to correct? So, the first thing that pops out to me is to invite love in by offering it to someone else first. And... This can look like complimenting strangers on their outfit or random, you know, kids at sporting events. You know, if you see, like we were at a cross-country meet yesterday, you know, telling another kid from another team that they, they did a good job. I mean, of course, telling your own kids as well, but kind of spreading that to other people. You know, kind of the unexpected, giving compliments in the unexpected places, I think, and to mean it. Like to really find something about someone else that you really do like or appreciate and like let them know about it. I think that feels really good. Um, Also, you know, just showing empathy to others and acknowledging, oh yeah, I can see where that would be really hard for you right now. Is there, you know, and then maybe offer, is there anything I can do for you? And, And maybe not even that. Maybe you just listen. Like just sometimes letting other people know that you see them that you see their struggle, that you see their pain, even if you don't have any, you know, thing to really, any advice for them, sometimes just holding that space, just being the listener without 
blowing it off or being like, oh no, you're fine. But like actually listening and letting them, like I said, let them be seen and let them be heard. I think we are so, so quick to like want to help people like, oh gosh, we got to band-aid that feeling up real quick. Whew, don't want you to feel that because that's making me feel not good. So we don't take the time to just be a witness to someone, to hold that space for them because it's kind of uncomfortable. It makes us a little bit uncomfortable to feel their feelings, especially for empaths. So I think we lose a lot of opportunities when we don't see those situations and take advantage of them and sit in that uncomfortableness for just a little bit because that feeling will move. That feeling of uncomfortableness will will turn to a feeling that's more of like love and compassion. If we really just sit there and let people say what they need to say or do what they're doing, you know, to, to emote or whatever. So that is definitely something to have on your radar if you feel like you can do that. And then, you know, just of course the physical nurturing of someone else, whether it's a kid or a parent or a spouse or a sibling, you know, a lot of times that doesn't feel comfortable either, you know. So um, I know that I didn't grow up in a super huggy family. So (laughs) it is not always my first instinct to hug other people. And I've started to be better about that. And I think maybe that's not as common as what I think it is. But I think that physical nurturing, that physical touch, that doing something for someone, um, cooking a meal for somebody, bringing somebody or, um, yeah, maybe be like, oh, hey, I have this book that I think that you would love, you know, sharing, sharing in that way. Um, I don't know. I heard, I heard this and I cannot remember. I think it was on, it was a guest on the Sense of Soul podcast and I cannot remember the guy's name, but it was sometime in the last month or so that he was on. And he said, you know, you always hear about people doing the pay it forward where, you know, you buy the drink or meal or whatever it is for the people behind you, usually like in a drive through situation, but I suppose it also could be in person or maybe you're in a restaurant and you're like, you tell the waitress, Hey, I want to also pay for that family's meal tonight or whatever. Um, he said, that's great. But also he said, and we just, we kind of want to shy away and be anonymous because we don't want that attention back on us usually. But he says that actually when you can when they can like, when you give them the opportunity to then say thank you, that that really means a lot to that person to be able to have the opportunity to, opportunity to kind of give back to you in a small way by acknowledging you and saying thanks to you. But also you can accompany that, you know, payment for their drink or meal or whatever with a, hey, I just wanted to do something nice for you because you are uh, just, I don't know what you would say. Like, um, I can't remember what his example was, but like you are an awesome human being and you deserve to have something nice happen to you today or whatever. Kind of like actually, so do the gesture, but also I guess it would be taking the time to like actually acknowledge 
and let them be seen. Like, I see you. I want to do this nice thing for you. It's not about, oh, look at me. I did this nice thing for you. It's really an opportunity to be face-to-face with this person and, like, give this a human-to-human context, I guess, or human-to-human interaction. And, like I said, allow them to have this exchange with you instead of doing this nice thing and then just, like you know, ghosting out because, and I get why people do it. I mean, I'm guilty of that too. And it's not bad to do it that way. He just said, that's really good, but you could up it. You could one up that by then also having an interaction with that person because maybe the interaction is the only one they've had that day. Or maybe they want to tell you, you know, I've had a really, really crappy day and you just made my whole day. And that the, allowing them to have that opportunity to tell you that feels good in their heart. So I think sometimes, you know, we are so quick to be super giving. And we, a lot of times, push away the receiving part. And a long time ago, I remember somebody saying that, you know, when you do that, when you don't allow people to do nice things for you, Like, you know how when people, sometimes there's meal trains that are done for people or, um, oh, it's, you know, somebody's birthday and you want to take them out for lunch or you have a little something for them or whatever. And people sometimes don't allow those things. And, And when you cut people off from kind of celebrating you, you are taking away joy from them because they want to give back. Especially if you've if you've done a lot for that person and you don't receive from them, that's really stunting them. That's really kind of pushing them away and and taking a lot of opportunity for them to feel this exchange of love back. So, when you want to push that away and not let people do nice things for you, remember that you're kind of robbing them of the same joy that you get when you get to be giving to other people. Think about how good that feels for you and know that other people enjoy that feeling too. And that when you deny that in others, you're kind of taking that spark of joy from them. So even if you don't feel like you deserve it, which is a whole other issue that we've talked about with self-love and self-worth, let that person do it for you because you may be making their week by allowing it, even if you don't need the help, maybe. You know, sometimes it's just like how, you know, when little kids want to make breakfast for their parents on Mother's Day or Father's Day and you're just like, really? Oh, I would rather just not, you know, like everything in you is like, oh my gosh, this really is not really what I had in mind, you know, whatever it is they bring you, but it's your child, it's your children. And so you smile and you do love it. You love it because it came from the heart and you allow them to have that joy of sharing with you. We, we are so good about doing that with children, but we are not really great about doing that with adults. So something to think about if you are someone who gives, 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 but pushes away anybody who's trying to give to you Think about that next time. Think about how you're shutting them down. You're shutting down their joy. And that that doesn't feel very good. 
Okay, another thing is I think just giving people grace, you know, that can help open us to love. When we can see somebody and see that they're having a bad day and not take it personally, you know, or like the jerk that is driving like an ass, you know, cutting people off. We don't know what kind of day they're having. Maybe maybe they're on their way actually somewhere important and it's kind of a life or death thing. We don't know. You know, and I'm not excusing like illegal or super dangerous behavior. I'm just saying or like somebody like takes your parking spot when obviously you were that was your turn to have that spot. You know what? You never know. You don't know. We don't know what kind of day people have had, what kind of baggage they're bringing with them you know, right now in their life. And I think just think about when you've had a really crappy day and you just wish that somebody would have given you a little bit of grace. Well, somebody has to make that first attempt. And I know sometimes we feel like we're the, we are doing a lot of grace giving and not a lot of it's coming back, but you know, that's just part of it. And, and we're not supposed to keep score and, and all of that. So I think just kind of, and I don't know, it's just kind of just become the norm and the natural for me now. It's almost like I can just see the pain and the trauma and I understand it. And so I just, it just is kind of second nature now to just give the grace. I, it, you know, I just do. It's like, well, that person act, you know, obviously is going through something because nobody would act like that just because they want to. You know, so hurt people hurt people again. So instead of contributing to the cycle, giving the grace and just being able to kind of meet people where they're at, and then you can let it go. You're not going to hold on to that resentment when you can give people grace. And then that cycle gets broken with you because you're not then going to go crap on somebody else's day, if that makes sense. So, yeah, we just want to break that cycle of holding a grudge or being spiteful or being resentful or being passive aggressive or or whatever that is. Yeah, giving giving people grace. And that doesn't mean allowing people to be abusive towards you or to walk all over you or, you know, not respect your boundaries. Just in general, you know, I think people usually call it being the bigger person or whatever. But really, giving grace, just giving, if everybody could just give each other a little bit of grace, imagine how the world could be. And then, yeah, okay, so I know what I was going to talk about, my current situation. So, um, Nathan and I just had this conversation last weekend, so by the time you listen to this, it'll be several weeks ago, but anyway, that does not matter, um, just this idea of, cause I, I think every relationship has this, like when, when somebody gets snippy or grumpy in the relationship, then the other person is likely to be snippy or grumpy back. And then if that's happening a lot, I mean, that really is setting up for some hard, like hard feelings, hurt feelings, resentment, and then just kind of being spiteful and, you know, those passive aggressive behaviors, like I said a little bit ago, I mean, 
I think it's, we do it the most with the people we love the most. And usually with a partner, I feel like. Um, and I think it's really easy to get sucked into it because we've all had a long day. We're all tired. We're all carrying the baggage from our day apart from each other back into the relationship where we meet at the end of the day and we're just trying to get through the evening sometimes with the parenting things and the household duties and we don't have a lot of grace for each other because maybe we feel like we've spent all that grace that we had in our bodies on everybody else throughout the day that we had to deal with. And so when you're with somebody that you feel super safe with and super comfortable with, it's so much easier to like let your guard down and kind of be an ass. And I think everybody's been there. This is how we end up arguing and, and having issues. Is that it's that person that we love the most gets the brunt. And then it just becomes this vicious cycle. So we talked about how, and some of this was in regards to my whole deal that I'm going through with trying to learn how to switch gears and like take off this armor that I kind of, carry around with me to get through my work day. I have a really hard time transitioning out of that into a more open, loving way of being at home. And that's a whole other story for a whole other day, but that's why we were talking about this. Um, and I just was kind of asking for help in that. And like, if I seem like I just told him, like, if, you know, I'm trying to you know, first of all, read the room. If I'm, you know, elbows deep in sudsy dish soap and I made dinner and I'm also now having to do the dishes because you just got home, I might not feel like like hugging you right now. But that's because I still have all this prickly armor on because it's how I get through my day sometimes. And I'm trying to work on that. And I've, I've talked to him about this and how when I do that, it's not because I don't like you. It's not because I don't love you. It's I'm having a hard time feeling like I can feel anything right now. And the last thing I feel like doing is being huggy and loving. And so instead of getting mad at me and being, well, fine, you know, because that would be the reaction if you get rejected by someone, you know, well, fine, screw you, you know, that whole bit. But we just kind of talked about how if we see each other doing that, Instead of adding to it and, and perpetuating that cycle to lean into it and be like, hey, I see that you're busy right now. I, I want to give you a hug when you're ready. Or, you know, just finding a way, like reading the room a little bit and like, how can I help without causing more distress or whatever, or just like, like, oh, you know, like. How are you, you know, start a conversation if they're open to it. You know, really like instead of taking offense, leaning in and, and offering support. Because obviously when you are met with like rejection, something's going on with that person. And they probably need love. They don't need pushed away. So that's how you can kind of break that cycle. And that's what, that's what we are working on at our house. Mostly because... I'm trying to deal with some heart chakra issues in that department and I've, you know, and I've, I've been straight up about it. Like, Hey, this is really hard for me. This is the stuff that kind of pisses me off. When you see me be in this way, I've told him 
if I'm being prickly and I'm not like in the middle of something like that I really need to be focusing on, just please, yeah, just hug me. Hug me, bring me back into my body. And just, if you could just kind of bring a kind, gentle, compassionate vibe instead of getting pissy because I'm pissy. I mean, I, I have. I have flat out asked for that. And he, and he does such a good job with it. He really does. Like, he's way better about that kind of stuff than I am. But, but sometimes he would get mad. And, and it would just create a worse problem. So, anyway. Um, it's, worth, it's worth looking into, for sure. It really can change the dynamic. So, okay. Another part when we're still, we're still talking about the love piece of the heart chakra is self-love and acceptance. And, and I've talked about this a lot on this podcast and what I will add to all the things that I've said throughout since January is this, you can't love others unconditionally until you master loving yourself unconditionally, like period. Like if you if your heart is not in a place where you unconditionally love yourself, you are not going to be able to as easily give the grace to others to give the love to others in a very genuine, unconditional way. And unconditional is the key word there. It is so easy for humans to put condition conditions on love, especially with our kids and with our partners. And we don't even realize that we're doing it. And I heard somebody talking the other day about that. And it's like this codependency with your kids and how, you know, people get sad when it's Mother's Day or birthdays in our adult children. And I'm just kind of getting into this. I only have one adult child. And I mean, he's just 18. So I don't even think that completely counts because... I mean, we still help him with everything and, you know, he's just barely 18. But anyway, these adult children not remembering or acknowledging like birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day anniversaries and being like super hurt about it. But it's like we we don't have a contract with our kids about I will only love you if you love me back. I will only love you if you acknowledge my birthday. I will only love you if you, you know, call me once a week. No, when you have, I mean, when we have kids, we love our, our job is to love them unconditionally. Even if we get zero back, that's unconditional love. And that's super hard because we think about all the things we do for our kids and we're like, you ungrateful little turds. When they don't even pay attention or notice, you know, when those things come around. I mean, that's kind of the reaction sometimes. But, but really, that's putting a condition on love. So what I'm trying to get out with the self-love is until we can really love ourselves unconditionally without being like, well, I would love myself more if I weighed this amount or if I didn't, I don't know whatever, pick any physical thing that you don't like about yourself or when I get this job or when I travel to these countries that I want to go to and like allow myself to do these things, then I'll love myself more. When I make this much money, I'll love myself more. 
you know, I mean, we can just love ourselves where we're at and for who we are. Not to say that we can't like work on ourselves. I mean, there's always, you know, we can, we always can strive to get better, but I think doing that with love and grace and compassion for ourselves. So, you know, we, we just, we've got to start talking more kindly to ourselves and treating ourselves better because that's going to help our heart chakra be open to, to doing the same for others and doing it with genuine love and compassion. Because I think in this world, a lot of people do a lot of nice things for people, but they do it out of duty. Sometimes they do it because they feel like they should. They do it because if they don't, they're going to look like an ass. And I think when we have this love for ourselves, it just pours out of us with ease. And we don't put conditions on it. And we don't care if it's reciprocated. We just give. And we just love. And it just comes out. And I think also, you know, making sure that we do have healthy boundaries in place as well. So that we're not running ourselves ragged for other people all the time so that we feel like we're worthy. We've got to stop doing that too, you know, got to have those good boundaries in place. And I think that kind of goes hand in hand with this staying ahead of your codependent tendencies. I think we all have them to some degree. And I think when we, and I've talked about this before, when we can really be aware of those and know what our tendencies are, then we can kind of be ready, you know, um, just stay ahead of them, be on the lookout for them so that we can kind of head those off before they get, uh, kind of too beyond us, you know? And I think in this case, I mean, it's really all codependency, but for example, you know, we, we need to let other people feel challenging feelings about us without caving in and doing what they want us to do so that they like us or that so they're happy because it's like well if they're happy I'm happy kind of a thing I mean if when you put up a boundary and and you get a reaction but it's an important boundary and it's a healthy one for you we've got and this is I'm talking to myself here too it's like we've got to let that other person have that reaction and let them sit in it and it's hard Because a lot of us are people pleasers and we are fixers and it feels really not great to watch somebody else not feel very nice feelings towards you because you're putting up a boundary that's healthy for you. But man, if that isn't a way to show yourself that you love yourself, I mean, that's like the ultimate, that is like for sure the ultimate thing that you can do is, is hold Hold those boundaries in place. Watch for those codependent tendencies. Because you know what? Those people are going to be okay. They are going to be okay. And if they're not, and if they don't get over it, that tells you a lot of good information that you need to know about that person. And whether you cannot interact with them, or whether it's somebody that's kind of in your life and you can't really get away from interacting with, it still tells you good information about that person. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. So yeah, we've this love, 
you know, this in the heart chakra, of course, love. Um, yeah, just to kind of recap, just inviting it in first, being the one to offer it. That heads off a lot of things. And really just the love and acceptance of yourself is so big. Another piece of this heart chakra is this idea of unity. And I think this often kind of gets forgotten as part of this. But I do think it is an important piece to discuss. And I think this is all about the differences that we notice in other people, like other cultures, other people just in our family, uh, people in our community, just whether this is global or local, um, it applies all the same. But noticing the differences, it, it just provides this beautiful opportunity to experience growth because it invites us to expand our capacity for love and compassion. Because when when every when when you consistently surround yourself with people who are super similar to you it's easy to get along you know what i mean like it's it's easy to find the common ground because there's so much obvious blatant um commonalities but i think when we can invite diversity in and diversity can look so many different ways but I think you know even I guess looking at how we are today and how we're so divided like divided politically divided sometimes I mean I feel like obviously racially depending on where you live that's more blatant sometimes than others um gender lines I mean we are so and just like I don't know there's so many other things um we, we want to surround ourselves with people who are like-minded because that's easy. But I do think there's value into having kind of an eclectic group that you open yourself to. And maybe they're not your best friends, but like not shutting people out because they don't have all the same beliefs as you. Still being open to having a relationship in some capacity with people. Like being curious, being open to, you know, to learn more about the differences instead of just being like, oh, well, that's different. That's not how I am. So difference, bad, difference, wrong, push it away. I think when we can appreciate the differences and kind of celebrate the differences and it can be hard, but like I said, that's, that really is a nice growth opportunity because we, we are, especially in today's world. I mean, our phones constantly feed us more of what we like. The social media feeds that we participate in and engage in daily, they know, they know our patterns and they give us more of what we want to see and hear, things that match our beliefs. And that, I mean, it's kind of scary because then we, that doesn't challenge us at all. To think outside the box and to appreciate other views and other people. It really doesn't. It really, really makes our world really, really small. So I think really looking for opportunities to invite diversity in. 
is, is just really good all the way around. And, you know, it's not about looking, I guess, inviting it in. So it's not about like necessarily seeking it out, I guess. It's just about like noticing the differences and like expanding your world in that way. But also the more you open yourself up to that and then you really, really get to know the people, you realize how connected we really are. So I guess celebrating the differences leads to ultimately to this. Once you get all the way around all the things, it really leads you back to we all are humans. We all are having this human experience. Yeah, we have different races, religions, gender, social status, political views, personalities, physical appearances. Yeah, that's part of it. But I think honoring that, but then also once we can like break through all of that and and love the differences, that's when we are able to see how connected we really are. And how alike we really are. And how we all are from the same... We are all sparks from the same source. And I think until you open yourself up to a variety of different kinds of people, we lose that a little bit. It's like there's... It's so funny. It's such a conundrum really. But there's connectivity in the diversity. Which is interesting, but true. So another piece of this heart chakra energy would be balance. And what I mean by balance is this idea. Well, let me, I guess, let me come at it from when we're not balanced. So when we lose our center, we lose our own heart and we act from a place that is not love to ourselves and it's not love to others because we feel off. So this is when we feel out of balance, we are going to be picking fights. We're going to be saying unkind things. We're going to be judging others. We're going to hold resentment in our heart chakra area. We're going to hold jealousy. All that stuff starts to sneak in when we feel unbalanced when we don't feel well within ourselves our and our heart I feel like that's the first thing to get out of whack we start to get real mean and nasty real quick when things get out of balance and so pay attention to that like if you notice that you're being extra judgy or you're kind of having jealous tendencies or you feel like oh holding resentment again or, you know, wanting to kind of be snippy and, and bitchy with people. That is a great time if you can do it. So be aware of it and just try the next time when any of those things are kind of coming up for you, stop yourself and be like, okay, where do I not feel right? Where do I feel out of balance? How can I bring balance to myself so that I feel good so that I'm not looking to tear other people down and to meet me down here instead of trying to raise up and meet other people, get myself back up. Because I think that's what happens. 
when we get out of whack in that heart area, we want to bring other people down there with us instead of correcting ourselves and finding our balance again. So when you notice that and you get curious about it, if you, if you have the space in your body to do that, and again, it's just really about awareness first, bring at least be enough aware of it. If you can't address it right then, maybe when you don't feel it so strongly, really look at it and be like, why was I that way? What, what in me needed some love? What in me still needs some love? Because even though it's kind of calmed down, it's probably still there because you got to find out what it is. So you've got to come back to yourself. However, that feels good. I mean, and it's what kind of thing can I do to kind of brighten my day that's simple and easy and available? What kind of self-care? Can I get outside in nature? Can I take five minutes to do a real quick meditation in my car before I go into the craziness of my household this evening? Can I just sit here and breathe for a moment? Maybe I need to cry, so maybe I need to go through that sobbing breath work motion. And we'll talk about that later. But whatever it is, however you can do it and do it in a quick, easy, free way. I mean, and it can be something like five minutes, you know, take a bathroom break and go figure it out. Because, yeah, it's just going to be able to give you the capacity to get into a better place so that you're not picking fights and being judgy and all those things. And a way that we can kind of stay in balance is when we can learn, and this is hard, and you know what, if this does not sound, if this sounds crazy to you, if it does not sound like something that you can reasonably do, I get it. I know a lot of people who I've talked to are just that don't agree with this at all. Like there's a lot of people who will be like, I don't think so. There's definitely good and bad in the world. But I think bringing that idea to your awareness and then letting it simmer and stew and maybe five years down the road, you'll be like, okay, I kind of get that. So I think just even having it in your realm of possibilities to think on is going to be good. So there might be some resistance, but I'm going to say it. Balance is when we can get out of the habit of judging things as right and wrong, good and bad, and see everything as just experiences playing out. We don't have to like them, but we need to become, we need to not become so attached to how things should be. And that's really hard because there is a lot of things in this world that we can be like, that is awful or that is wonderful. There's a lot of things about ourselves that we can judge as good and bad. There's a lot of things about people in our family or our friend group or whatever that we can see as what we would label good or bad. But I've really tried to make this my practice this past year or so to really look at things as everything is just an experience, you know? And try not to judge it. Like it can be challenging. Like oh that, that is definitely a challenging thing. And it can be. You know more in alignment. But good or bad. I don't know. I mean that's a human thing to judge. 
that's a, that's a human construct is judgment. The higher level of thinking in this is, is this idea that it's kind of, I know this sounds like really, I don't know, like downplaying human existence, but it's kind of really just a big experiment. If you want to think of it that way, like, okay, I'm going to try this with this variable and then I'm going to try this with this variable. And, and, you know, sometimes the results, I mean, the results all vary, you know? So I don't know. Should people do things to hurt other people? No, but our free will does allow us to make those choices. And what people would deem as bad choices, I get that because nobody should hurt somebody else. But it's an experience. I don't know. Like, it's just, and it's hard. It's hard not to judge it, especially when things are horrifying and terrible. Like, if you think about, like, what happened in the concentration camps during World War II. It's like, God, Angie, how can you look at that and be like, that was an experience. It's not bad. I mean, that's extreme. But I don't know. I mean, yes, I think that was horrific. Absolutely. So that was like an extreme example. But if you want to go extreme, I mean, if, we, if you're going to test me on that, I mean, I don't know. There's a, somebody that's in charge and it's not me. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's this idea that, that there is a creator out there. And that for some reason we're allowed to make these different choices and, and have these different experiences. And that's, they're just, they are, they're experiences. And not to downplay all the horrifying, awful things. But I don't know. Like, and I've heard, I, I hear people say it a lot in the spiritual community. And it's a lot to choke down. I mean, I still... I mean, those big things like what I just mentioned with the concentration camp, that's hard for me to swallow that that's just an experience. But I don't know. I just, I just always hear that, you know, on, on the other side, you know, those people who were committing those atrocities, they're having to sit and time out for a really long time and they are judging themselves. And they don't get a get out of time out until they can feel exactly what they did. And sometimes our souls just have to like do stupid shit to figure stuff out. That's all I can think of. I know that was super controversial. But I don't know, for some reason, we have to do a lot of stupid crap that hurts people sometimes to learn compassion by sitting in that on the other side and feeling it. Why? I don't know. I don't know why, but why else are we allowed? I don't, we're allowed to be, to have these choices knowing that we're going to make not great choices. Sometimes we're going to make a variety of all kinds of choices as humans. We just are, even though we all come from the same source. I don't know. And people argue, well, it's, it's the devil or it's evil. And yeah, there is negative energy here. And that's part of earth. That's part of the earth experience is seeing how we navigate that. So I don't know. 
on a, I think that's easier to digest on like a more a personal level when you're like moving through your day and you do something, you're like, oh my God, that was so dumb. Be like, you know what? Nope. What did I learn from that? You know what? And I've been asking my, my kids that like when my youngest, you know, I don't know one day, here's an example. This might be a lot more digestible in this department rather than those big things that I mentioned earlier. He runs cross country. He uh, usually wears to school, but he's going to practice him because it's just shorts and a t-shirt, whatever. He doesn't need to dress out. And then he wears his running shoes to school. Those are just kind of his school shoes right now. He wears those to school. He runs in them after practice. Well, for some reason that morning, he put his slides on instead of his running shoes. So he had to go to practice and he had to go run in his slides. Now, I didn't know about that. Or like he didn't call home and luckily it was one of those practices that are like a pre-meet practice so there wasn't a lot happening. However, when I saw when I when he walked to my work after practice and I was like, You have your slides on. He's like, Yeah, I wore them to school today. I'm like, so that's what you wore to to cross country practice. Yep. Okay, and what did you learn from that experience? that I need to make sure I wear my running shoes to school. And guess what? He hasn't done that since. So, (laughs) bad choice or just an experience. And that's how I've been trying to just take life. And like I said, these these little things that are kind of like not going to make or break the world are an easier to digest version of this. So... Maybe it's one of those things where we have to start small and then as we evolve as a soul, we can kind of see that the bigger things are just experiences too. I don't know. It's really hard, especially if you have a really big empathetic heart. I mean, it's just, it's just tough sometimes to see other people get hurt and, and so, yeah, we want to definitely label it as bad. So I don't know. I'm right there with you. I was just bringing to you this idea. So anyway, um, also I'm kind of bouncing around a little bit, but, um, this heart chakra energy, this love energy is really a yin energy. It's, it's, um, it's this energy of being and allowing, and it's not a doing, it's not a forcing love can't be forced. It can only be allowed. Is really, you know, and what it's really about, what it really comes down to is allowing each person the freedom to dance their own part in their own unique way. You know, it's, it's letting the people in your life, the people you love be who they are. It's, it's this, this flowing energy. It's not boxed in with expectations or conditions And that's so, so hard for our human egos. We want to label everything. We want to put everything in nice, neat little boxes. We want to put conditions on things because that's what feels safe. It's kind of like knowing the rules and, you know, making sure everybody follows the rules. But man, if we just can allow people to be who they are and just love them anyway, no conditions, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I mean, that means your kids, your parents, your friends, your coworkers, all of them. 
if we can have that level of acceptance. And first we have to have it with ourselves. Because we can't, we cannot offer that to someone else if we can't offer it to ourselves first. But that's, that's this, this yin energy of just allowing, just being. We've, it's, we can't go around forcing because that's not a loving energy. Okay, and I, I also want to talk about peace. And this will be brief. So I was thinking about this word and I'm like, okay, what is peace? Like that is such a hard word to really like sit with and define. But this is what I, this is what I came up with. That our bodies and minds and emotions feel peaceful when they don't feel the resistance and friction of separation from love. Love of self, love for others, as in humankind, can't be forced will come naturally when we are aligned with the vibration of love. And so that energy, that absence of the friction, that absence of the resistance that we feel when there's a separation from love, that is peace. That's what I came up with. That's my definition for it. And and then I thought of, you know, when people have near-death experiences. If you've never read anything on that or listened to anything on people's near-death experiences, I encourage that. Super fascinating. But a lot of people, they, almost everybody describes this feeling of, it's like, it's almost indescribable because they say it's nothing like what you ever, ever feel on earth. It is this, this love and peace that is so big that they can't even describe it. They can't even put human words to the feeling. And it's it's this it's unconditional and yeah, they just say that it is just all that they can put to it is is peace and love. So, you know, and I think we we all can't experience that. Not all of us are going to have this near-death experience and then understand what that is and bring it back to this human life. We don't all have that opportunity. I mean, thank goodness that has to be really scary. you know. But those who do, it's interesting to hear what they have to say about that and how they describe that. So I do think, though, that we can experience a degree of that in these human bodies. That, you know, we're not ever going to remove all of the friction and this, you know, that, that, that separation from love, like we're, it's not ever going to be perfect. Like it is on the other side, because if it were, what would be the point of being here? You know, that it's, it's that friction sometimes and, and all these, this growing pains and all the, the, the challenging stuff is what helps us to grow and evolve but I do think we can get glimpses of it. I do think that we can strive for it and we can bring in as much of that peace energy that we can when we can just allow. When we cannot put up the barriers, have the blocks, you know, when we can we can find the balance, when we can, you know... L- appreciate the differences in others and realize that really, despite all the differences, we're really all from the same source. The same creator created us all, 
sprawl pieces of the of that you know we can really kind of come to that we're going to feel less of that separation less of that friction and more of the peace so okay so you know when i do these episodes with the chakras i always have to kind of get to where i ask you some questions so that you can check in with the health of your own chakra so in of course, this week it's the heart chakra. So these are the questions I have for you that will allow you to kind of do a little check-in. Okay, the first one is, are you able to be open and honest with another person about your feelings? How much love do you feel for yourself? Can you love yourself even when you are unhappy or lonely. Can you continue to show up for people through unpleasant and hard times when communication is blocked because of blame or resentment? Can you deta- can you be detached enough to allow your loved ones to be themselves? Can you love someone as they are and not expect them to change for you? Can you be true to your feelings in a relationship without sacrificing or losing your sense of self? So those are some things to think on. I know I sat with those and I can see areas where I've improved. I can see areas where I still need work. And so I think it's good to, and that's why I think these episodes are, are just kind of helpful in in that way is if you are kind of investing in yourself in this way and, and working on these parts of yourself on these different chakra areas, these energy centers, listening to this kind of listening to these questions And then maybe revisiting like in six months or a year and checking back in. And if you don't want to keep listening, I mean, maybe pause for a second and write down some of these questions and then check in with yourself journaling or whatever every so often and see. And I bet if you're putting some work into this, you're, you're going to notice, you're going to notice where you've grown and changed and you're going to notice where you're like, oh, yep, I still have issues with that. And I think it's just a really, it's kind of like a nice little, I don't know, self-evaluation, I guess, if you will. So those are the questions for the heart chakra. So once you've kind of determined kind of where you're at and you maybe realize that you could use some kind of some love and nourishment there. These are some things that you can do to move towards that healthier um, vibration. Uh, The first one, participate in acts of love and kindness to others. Show love and kindness to yourself through your actions, words, and thoughts. Smile at yourself when you catch your eye in the mirror I know that sounds ridiculous, but it really is actually, it does a lot for like retraining yourself to like, and your feelings towards yourself. Something that simple, catching your eye and smiling at yourself. It sends 
you all kinds of messages, believe me. Um, and also another mirror activity, go to the mirror and talk to your human meaning. So the soul part of you, that all knowing, loving, compassionate piece of source part of you sometimes needs to go look in the mirror, like look in your eyes because that's the window to the soul, right? So look in that mirror and have a conversation with the human part of you that's having a hard time being a human. You know, and that eye contact is so important. And it is uncomfortable at first, but keep doing it. I promise it'll get better. It'll get easier. Um, it's just like giving your that human part of you a little pep talk. It's really nice. And I, I promise you will get better at it and you will feel better doing it the more you do it. You can't just do it once and be like, that's weird. That doesn't work. Like give it, give it several times. I promise you'll start to feel a difference. Another thing you can do is say daily affirmations. There's all kinds. If you were to Google loving kindness affirmations or self-love affirmations, um, you will be probably flooded with all kinds and you could make up your own as well. You kind of know where your wounding is. And so if you can make up your own affirmations around that, and then also, I mean, maybe uh, and affirmations, they really should be as short and concise as you can make them. Um, so that they're easy to remember too, so that you can say them without having to read them off a piece of paper. You know, you want to get used to that where you can maybe say them when you're driving or or on a walk or whatever. Another thing you could do is watch or read a love story. This kind of gets you in that vibe. And then of course spending times with or spending time with loved ones also just really gets your heart in that nice high vibration of love. Some other things, some activities I kind of mentioned earlier is breath work. So when we can do the the type of breath work that mimics crying, that is if you have a lot of grief stored in your lungs, but you're having a hard time feeling it, letting it out. Um, and if, you know, I, I personally like to put it to music, like a sad song, you know, find, you know, make a little playlist of, of songs that kind of get to you emotionally anyway, that will help. And then you want to do this breath work that is like sobbing. And I think I've talked about this in another episode, but basically what you're going to do is you're going to do two breaths in and then one breath out and everything happens through your mouth. So you want to that first breath in, you want to breathe into your belly and then you want to breathe another breath up into your chest and then you want to breathe out. So it'd be like (gasps) into your belly, (gasps) into your chest and (sighs) out. So really sharp, short, breath so that it's almost like mimics the sobbing motion is what you want to go for. So, and then once you start crying, you can stop that breath work and cry. And then as it subsides, maybe you want to like get into that pattern again and see if there's anything else that needs to come up and out and maybe it will, and maybe you're done. So, um, breath work sessions can be 30 minutes. That's a long time. Um, especially when it's all mouth breathing, that's, that's a lot. And it's, it is labor intensive. It is not a fun thing to do, but even if you could do it for 10 minutes or, you know, just a couple songs worth, if you're having a hard time and you're storing a lot of grief in your lungs, that's going to really get that energy moving in your chest and help you get opened up. 
Um, another thing that you could try is alternate nostril breathing. And so basically you take your thumb and you just will take turns covering your nostril with your thumb so that you block the airway. So you're doing all the breathing through your nose. And what you'll do is you will cover one nostril and you'll inhale and then you'll switch nostrils to exhale. Keep that one, inhale, switch, exhale. So the pattern again is inhale, switch, exhale, inhale, switch, exhale. And at first, you when I did it first, I mean, it almost felt like, like I wasn't getting enough breath. But stick with it because it's hard at first. Stick with it and then your body will start to calm down. And it, it does a nice, it's really nice for that heart space area. So I think it kind of helps with like the anxious feeling that we get in our chest. Another thing that you can do is this uh, forgiveness exercise. And this is something that might take several tries to kind of work through it, but um, I think it is effective. And so you'll want to start with your parents because everybody has had (laughs) everybody's parents messed up. Just like every, you know, every one of us who are parents have messed up. It's not that we meant to. I think everybody's parenting the best way that they can. The only model they have is how they were parented. That's their only other experience with parenting is how we were ourselves parented. So I think sometimes we harbor some things that we hold in us that we don't even realize that we need to bring some forgiveness to. So bringing forgiveness to the parents... And then from there, move on to anyone you feel didn't love you in the way that you wanted to be loved. So that's kind of hard sometimes because love we want to always think of as romantic. But love, maybe treat you in the way you want to be treated. Show kindness to you in the way that you wanted to be showed kindness. So compassion, you can kind of replace that word love if it feels a little bit weird in different situations. But um, go through, you know, friends partners, colleagues, teachers. You know, teachers are a big role in our lives when we're little. Maybe you've got a teacher that you need to kind of give some forgiveness to. Maybe you've got a colleague or an ex-colleague, somebody along the way that you need to give some forgiveness to. Ex-partners, current partners, friends, ex-friends, siblings, you know, kind of go through the list. And like I said, you may not be able to do this all in one sitting and that's okay. That's okay. And when it starts to get to be too much, stop. And then you can always go back to it. And then once you've kind of worked through your list, then you need to forgive yourself for being so hard on yourself. And you need to acknowledge that it is your right to be loved and give love fully. So that's an exercise And one last exercise, Um, and this is great for couples. Um, So you would want to, but you can do this with anybody, but they would, you'd have to be both willing participants. So you both would need to agree that there's things that you need to work on. And I think this is a nice thing that you can do is, so you take turns telling the story of whatever issue it is that you have with each other from 
what you think their point of view is. So if I'm going to sit down with Nathan about, and we're going to talk about an issue that we've had, I'm going to tell that story to him from what I feel like his point of view is. And then, and then when I'm done, then I'm going to ask if I, um, if I got it right or if I left anything out. And then he would have the opportunity to say, well, that's not exactly how it was. Because sometimes how we, sometimes there's just miscommunication. So, and then you would switch roles and then the other person would have the opportunity to tell, uh, talk about the issue from what they think your point of view is. And then you would have the opportunity to kind of interject, not interject, but to share your thoughts on that when they are finished. And I think another thing you can do is if there's an argument or a miscommunication, what I heard you say was this. I know you said this, but what I heard was this. Because sometimes I think we don't understand the power of our words. And because everybody has different baggage and wounding, things get real twisted in interpretation sometimes. And the intentions get lost. So I think those are good practices. Other than that, um, I always end these with just other chakra hacks. So other heart chakra hacks, um, wearing the colors green and pink or um, carrying green or pink crystals, green foods, um, like the leafy leafy greens are good. Um, there's yoga poses that you can look up that are good for your heart. Um, Another good thing is like a loving kindness meditation. Those are really nice to kind of get you in that higher vibration. And don't be surprised if doing those doing those meditations, those loving kindness meditations, there you might get emotional and you might cry and that's okay. That's just that energy kind of coming loose and moving and that's good. So okay, that was a lot. It's always more than what I think it's going to be, which is you know, and I know I can talk a lot, but I don't know. I always want to make sure when I'm doing the the chakra episodes, I always kind of have notes with me because I want to make sure that I don't kind of gloss over anything. It's different than when I'm just kind of free form kind of talking on a topic. So these are kind of, I feel like more of a, a little bit of an educational teaching experience that I hope people can use as a resource and maybe revisit and... I don't know. I always appreciate free resources in this kind of thing. I mean, that's, that's how I learned a lot of what I'm sharing with you is just, um, you hear a lot of the same things when you start listening to podcasts or reading the books. I mean, every, you, you kind of notice patterns of, of what information is being, um, given to you that's consistent and, and so, you know, and most of, most of how I learned about this was free resources, just like what I'm giving to you. And then of course, if you are, you know, you get really interested and want to kind of continue education, there's ways that you can do that with kind of mentors that, um, you can have, you know, subscribe to, or, you know, have work with you one-on-one or whatever. So anyway, um, yeah, so I hope this was helpful. I hope, I hope nothing I said was too controversial or out there for you. Um, If it was, I mean, just like I always say, take what feels good 
and leave the rest. And I still am kind of, you know, here I am, what, 20, 30 minutes later, and I still am thinking, oh my God, Angie, you talked. I'm still kind of hung up on what people are going to think about with the whole um, not judging things as good and bad. Um, And then when I use the concentration camp example, so I'm still kind of like, oh gosh, maybe I shouldn't have said that because that's something that is super, I mean, like I don't feel good about thinking that that's not a bad experience. So I guess I was just trying to bring the point home that this is what I have heard from people who are mediums and whatnot from the other side is that there's, there's not judgment. So I was, I guess, trying to bring an extreme example to you, even though I really think on, you know, talking in all practicality, of course you want to, you know, these, this is meant for you to apply in your daily life. You know, look for those situations in your life that you want to be real judgy about and just, you know what, that's just an experience. That person just having that experience. I'm over here having this experience. We're all having these human experiences. We're all sparks from the same source. And we have these experiences and we bring this information. It's kind of like collecting data back to source. And there's a lot of learning and growing and evolution that happens because of it. So, and I know, how do I know that? I don't. That's just kind of what I've gathered over the years. So like I said, as I'm trying not to be super judgmental of myself here, is, you know, just take what feels good from this, as always, and and leave the rest. So anyway, I hope you all are well. I hope you all have had a chance to get outside in nature today. I hope that you are still with me through the end of this podcast because it has been another long one. And until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening today. I love having you join me. Even though I'm technically out here, just me and my dogs, it is exciting and heartwarming to know you are out there too, listening, walking, adding in your thoughts as we go. As always, I hope everyone has had a chance to nurture themselves with a little bit of nature today. Mother Earth always has the best medicine.